We're starting our series called Red Letter Living. Red Letter Living. For the next 52 weeks, we're going to take the words of Christ that are written in red, and we're going to study those and follow those and be challenged by those. Some of these red letter words are going to challenge you. Some of these red letter words you're not going to like. Some of these red letter words, they're not going to make you feel good. But they're going to challenge you. They're going to provoke you. You know, the Bible says, provoke one another to love and good works. You're going to be provoked by the red letter living words. Now, uh, I want to save emails. I want to save your time and I want to save my time. We're going to look at the whole Bible this year. So we're going to start in a red letter. We move, may move to the Old Testament, which is no red letter. So we're not throwing out half the Bible. We're just, we're just, we're just looking and we're focusing on some of the real passionate words that Christ used in the Gospels of Jesus Christ. So let me give you a little bit of details here because you're going to like this. Um, the first thing I want you to recognize is that uh, there are 31,246 words of Christ in red. I read them all. That'd be a good number to write down. How many red letters are in the New Testament? 31,426. It's a lot of red words. 1,599 verses in the gospel are red letter words of Christ. And 48% of all the gospels are the red letters of Christ. So there's a lot to be said. And we're going to start this journey today and we're going to see what God says to us. You know, there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 4. Man shall not live on bread alone, but man shall live by every, what? Word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's important as Christians and disciples that we know the red letters. We know what Christ is saying to us, and we live on those words. Bread is not going to satisfy you. How many know that? You have breakfast, and as soon as you're finished with breakfast, you're already starting to think about what? Lunch. You have lunch, and over lunch you discuss what's for dinner. Man shall not live on bread alone, because bread doesn't satisfy you. But we live on every word, the red letter words that God gives us through Jesus Christ. Red letter living. Now we're going to do something different too this year. And Kay, go ahead and uh, make your way up. Uh, each week, sometime during the service, and somewhere in the sanctuary, and outside of the sanctuary, we're going to have artists that are going to write the verse that we're going to be using today. So as we start reading Luke chapter 2, Kay is, is going to bless us today, and she's going to write the phrase, the sentence that we're going to focus on today. Now, I know that when I tell you to go to Luke chapter 2 and start reading with me, you're going to be looking at Kay. And that's okay. You can look at Kay, you can look at the words she's writing, and then we're going to read in Luke chapter 2. If you're with me, let me hear a big amen. Every year, Jesus' parents, I'm in verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, everyone say 12. They went up to the festival according to the customs. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. 
And when they began looking for him among their relatives and friends, and they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, everyone say three days, they finally found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers and listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to the son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he said. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then they went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in the favor of, with God and men. What an interesting verse of Scripture. I've been in the church all my life, and I can't remember more than maybe one time hearing someone talk about this powerful story in Luke chapter 2. There's a couple things that fascinate me. Number one, at 12, Jesus was amazing people, and they were astonished at his, at his words and his intellect and his passion. That amazes me. But what really amazes me is that it took three days for Jesus' parents to find Jesus. <laughs> How do you lose Jesus? Three days? Now, I can't judge Jesus' parents because, as you know, I've got four kids, and we lost our kids on multiple times, so I, I, I'm not judging Jesus' parents. In fact, uh, we took, uh, with the Sarmiento family, they had four kids, we had four kids, we had eight kids and four adults, that's 12 people. I lost Amanda and Aaron at Disney World the same day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. So I'm not, I'm not judging Jesus' parents. In fact, one time we lost Allison, and it was a real fearful time. We went to the movie theater with a family of our friends. They had four boys, and we had four kids, so again, there's a party of 12. We went to the Winter Park uh, movie theater there on 1792. Now, this is the last time I went to a movie, by the way. It was in 2006, and I think we saw Santa Claus 2. So we are all going up, we, we, we go into the movie theater, and we, we, we get our tickets, and we get our popcorn, and we get our candy bars, and we get our Cokes, and we finally make it to the seat, and we had, took up the whole row. So I'm at one end of the row, Tammy's at the other end of the row, and about uh, 20 minutes into the movie theater, I just kind of looked down to Tammy and said, do you have Allison? And she looked down at the other end of my row and looked at me and said, no, I thought you had Allison. And then we found out, yes, Home Alone 2, we found out. That, 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 that there's 11 of us in the seats, and we're missing Allison. Well, Allison is a very good leader, confident and strong. And she decided that at four years old, she didn't want to see Santa Claus 2. She wanted to see a Disney flick. So she just got up in the middle of the movie, walked to another theater, and sat down and was watching the movie theater. <laughs> well, she didn't know that we'd called the police, 911. Locked down the whole movie theater and had 30 people looking for her, and she was just enjoying another movie at the Winter Park <laughs> movie theater. That's why I don't go to movies. 
I was petrified. How do you lose your daughter? How do you lose Jesus? I mean, this is not starting out good. Savior of the world gets lost for three days. They finally find Jesus. And the Bible says that he was, he was sitting in the synagogues and he was listening. Everyone put your, put your hand on your ear just for a moment. He was listening. You know what my goal for this year is? To do a little bit more listening. You know, you don't learn when you're talking. You learn when you're listening. That's why the Bible says be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Here's a characteristic that I think we need to pick up out of Luke chapter 2. Jesus was listening. The guy who had it all, he humbled himself and he listened to other people. And then the second element of that was he not only listened, but the Bible says he was asking questions. The first recorded words out of Luke chapter 2 are the first statement that Jesus says we're going to look at in just a moment. But you know as well as I do that, that, that his first words maybe were not uh, recorded, but his, probably his first word was mama, right? And then came daddy, dada. And then maybe the next word he recorded, spoke was no. <laughs> you don't see that on Facebook much. No. Remember, he was fully God, but he was fully Man, and so he learned, mama, daddy, no. Uh, how about this? Why do I have to pick up my clothes? Can I go to Levi's house to spend the night? Dad, Asher and I want to go out tonight. Can I have the keys to my car? I loaded the dishes last week. Why do I have to do that again this week? Fully man. But in Luke chapter 2, there's a powerful phrase that Jesus says, and it's the first recorded words that he spoke. And Kay's writing it up there on the poster, and here it is. Why are you searching for me? Powerful statement. Powerful phrase. A few words that are packed with so much meaning, the Savior of the world who was lost for the past three days is sitting in the temple, and the first recorded words of Christ was a question. And the question is relevant to you and me today. Why are you searching for Jesus? Why are you searching for me? And he asked this powerful question. And it wasn't that he didn't know the answer. He knew the answer. When God asks questions, he wants you to know the answer. And I think it's very powerful that the first words that God spoke to Adam and Eve, he blessed them, the Bible says. And then the very next word, the Bible says this, that God and Adam and Eve were scheduled for a walk around the park. And God showed up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and Adam and Eve had already sinned. They were hiding in the garden. They were ashamed. They were running. And God showed up on the scene, and he asked 
a question. Where are you? It's powerful. You know that God knew where they were. When God asks a question, he already knows the answer. When God asks a question, he wants you to know the answer. Where are you? Simple three words. Jesus now, in Luke chapter 2, watch this. He copies his father by starting with a question. Why are you searching for me? And he knows the answer. He wants you to know the answer. So I'm going to ask you today, why are you searching for Jesus? I like what Lou Holtz says. He's a a big fan of his. He lives in Lake Nona here in South Orlando. And Lou Lou Holtz said this, I never learn anything by by, by talking. I only learn when I ask the right question. Thomas Berger says the art and science of asking questions is the source of all knowledge. And Claude Levi Strauss said this, the wise man doesn't give the right answer. He poses the right questions. There's over 3,000 questions in the Bible. And God starts this story of redemption and grace by asking Adam and Eve, where are you? And by the way, the first words of the enemy in Genesis chapter 3 is a question as well. Did God say? So now Jesus is following his father's footsteps by asking a question. Why are you searching for There's 3,000 questions in the Bible. First one is Adam and Eve, where are you? Next question is Cain, why are you so angry? It moves from Cain to Hagar, and he asks the question, where have you come from and where are you going? To Moses, he asks the question, what's in your hand? To Saul, he says, why are you persecuting me? To the blind man in John chapter 5, he says, do you want to get well? And to the woman with the issue of blood, he asked the question, who touched me? Questions. God asks questions not because he doesn't know the answer. God asks questions because he wants you to know the answer. And so Jesus starts out now in Genesis, in in Luke chapter 2, with a powerful statement that says, Why are you searching for me? I ask you that same question today. You want to look at this and ponder this and ask, why are we searching for for Jesus? I have found over the years that Jesus speaks to me often with questions. And they're usually short, they're usually sweet, and they're usually right to the point. I mean, I've never had like an hour-long dialogue with, with God. Maybe you are here today, and, and, and that's fantastic. That's great that you have hour-long dialogues with God. Usually my conversations with God are quick, short, and right to the point, and they're usually a question 
to me. I mean, how many know God's got a lot going on right now? I mean, he's got Israel and Hamas. He's got, he's got the economy here in the United States, a lot going on. And so I have found that God usually communicates to me through quick questions that get right to the heart of it. And I wrote a couple of these down. Maybe he speaks to you in questions as well. Why did you act like that? Why did you say that? Why are you thinking like that? How could you do that, Scott George? Is that something that I would do? What would cause you to do that? Who are you listening to? Do you trust me? Do you believe that I've got everything in control? Do you not believe that I'm going to be there for you in your time of disaster? And God asks these questions not because he doesn't know the answer. He knows the answer. He wants you to know the answer. And so when God speaks to you with a question, he's trying to get to the heart. He's trying to get to the root. And he's probing you by asking powerful questions that will cause you to come to the answer. Why did you say that? Why did you write that? Why did you respond in that way? And they're short, quick questions that drive right, right to the heart. How many of you are here today and you've had God ask you a question before? Now, it's usually the way he communicates. And a lot of times, we don't like it. Here's the scripture that Kay wrote. Thank you, Kay. Why are you searching for me? Are you searching for him just to escape hell? Are you searching for him just so he can bless you and make your life a little bit better? Here's a question. Are you searching for God? Are you looking for him? Or are you like his parents, that he went missing 24 hours ago and you didn't even recognize that he was no longer in your presence? Are you searching for him just so he can help you retire with enough money? Are you searching for him just so he can heal your body so you can feel better? These are all powerful questions, and this question that is up here on our platform today is a question that you and I have got to answer as we start out this brand new year. Do you think that you've arrived and you don't need to search for him anymore? Have you discovered all that there is to God and you've arrived and you're just going to coast? It's a great question for a brand new year. And if you are searching for him, how are you searching for him? In what ways are you searching for him? What are you doing to search for him? I've discovered that he is a God that wants to be searched for. He is a God that wants to be looked for. He is a God that wants us to passionately seek after him. And there's a promise that if we seek after him, we're going to find him. And I don't know about you, but I need God more today 
than any time in my life. I want to spend my time searching for Jesus. I want to be on the lookout for Jesus. I don't want to be caught without him. I don't want to spend a day and wonder where, where is Jesus. He's lost. No, I want to have him with me. I want to pursue him, and I believe you do too. So this year is a year for all of us just to recommit that we haven't arrived. We don't know it all. There's more for us to discover, and we're searching him because we need him. We're searching him because we don't have it all together. We're searching him because we don't have all the answers. We're searching him because life sometimes is tough and it's difficult and you need a shepherd to guide and to walk you through what you're going through. We need God because this is a difficult world we live in, a complex world we live in. We need daily guidance and comfort and wisdom and insight to get through 2024. I hope you're writing down notes this morning because there's more for you. I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. There's more to discover, and we need to make a commitment on the first Sunday of 2024 that we are going to search for God. We're going to seek him more. We're going to be passionate in our pursuit because we desperately need him. Can I get an amen? There's a couple scriptures that I want to I end with today as we discuss our search for God. I went online. I did a little research this week. Typed in, what are people searching for? Top 10 things that people are searching for. I think you have an idea where I'm going. Number one, first thing people are searching for is happiness. Number two, they're looking for health. Number three, they're looking for money. Number four, they're looking for security, stability. Number five, they're looking for peace. Number six, I thought was interesting, they're looking for family harmony. I always considered our family very, very stable. I got in ministry and I started to discover that, that, that man, there's a lot of families that are, that are just, they're just messed up. Like the old country song, right? God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. There's a lot of crazy people. <laughs> and a lot of them are your neighbors and your friends and your family. People are seeking peace and money and contentment and health, and they're seeking family harmony. Number seven, purpose. I've always said that the greatest day in your life is the day you were born and the day you discover why. There's a lot of people out there that don't have a clue why they're born. They're working nine to five. They're paying their bills putting aside money for nest egg, for retirement, and they don't have a clue what they're here for. They don't have a clue what their calling is. They don't have a clue with why they were given birth and what they're called to do, purpose. Number nine, they're looking for hope. And number 10, they're looking for fulfillment. 
Eight, legacy. Thank you, Al. Legacy. Family harmony, purpose, a legacy, hope, and fulfillment. What are you looking for? A couple scriptures um, that I want to end with today. And this one is really, really odd because it comes from the book of Job, which Job is a kind of an odd book. A lot going on in Job. But in Job chapter, chapter 12, verse 10, it says this. In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. I'm going to read that again. In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. What was he saying there in Job? God, we don't have a chance without you. You give us breath. You give us life. I'm searching for you because I am lost as ever without you. You give me breath. You give me life. I'm searching for you because I need you. And I humble myself before you and recognize I don't want to start this new year thinking that I've arrived and I've got it all together. I'm searching for you because I need you. Write this uh, scripture down, Psalm 16, verse 5. I love this one. You, Lord, are all I have. And you give me all I need. My future is in your hands. Wow. Great verse. Lord, you're all I have. You give me all that I need. And my future is in your hands. And then one last scripture, John chapter 6. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and they said this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So, church, I want to ask you a quick question here this morning. Who are you looking to to give you fulfillment? Who are you looking to to give you purpose? Who are you looking to 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 heal your body and and to help you have peace and to get along with your family? Who are you searching for? And ultimately, the answer has got to be we are searching for Jesus because you have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? More money is not going to solve it. World peace is not going to bring it. There's only one thing that's going to bring true fulfillment and purpose in your life and my life, and that is finding Jesus and searching for him and letting him be all that you need him. So my question to you today is, who or what are you searching for? If you think another zero at the end of your bank account is going to bring happiness and fulfillment and contentment, you're wrong. If you think that a job promotion is going to answer all of your deep-seated hurt and wounds, it's not going to. A new wife, a new husband is not going to bring you what you need. Only you have the words of life. Where else? And we turn to. I pray this week as God begins to speak to you and talks to you and he asks you these tough questions as you are approaching 2024, that you will come to the same conclusion that the disciples came to. We have nowhere else to go. You have the words to eternal life. Would you stand up across the auditorium this morning?
Why are you searching for me? Six words, profound question. Why are you coming to church? Why do you give of your tithes and offerings? Why do you volunteer? Why do you do what you do? It's healthy to ask those questions and answer those questions and allow God to be our source for everything. We search for you because we have nowhere else Dr. Phil, Oprah, Dr. Oz, they don't have what you're looking for. You can only be found in Jesus Christ.